Okay, this one was a uh, was a weird one. I don't think there was technically like a proper bad dynamite yet, but this one was one of those that you watch and it just doesn't connect. Something is just not right, you know. Again, it's not bad episode of dynamite by any means, but it was hard to watch especially the first hour the first hour was sloppy was um average and if not boring then definitely unemotional you know the whole show started with Cape Sabian and Miro versus Sonic Case and Georginella so it's a big thing, Mira's AW debut, and even though some people called it a disaster of a debut, I don't think so, it was a fine match, but it didn't connect with me at all. You know, when you see some botches or some miscommunications that will take out some interest or some reality of the match or whatever you would just put a notice or you would notice this and immediately forget because you don't want to touch on uh, something bad that happened but this time i definitely picked up on every single misstep instead of focusing on the positives for some reason, straight away, I focused on the negatives. And even though I'm saying it wasn't that bad of a match, it wasn't perfect by any means. You know, it was sloppy from time to time, even though it was designed to portray Miro as a beast. So, Kip Sabian would immediately tag out Miro whenever he would came out. Then, when Kip Sabian would fail as a leader of the team, he would allow Miro to work out something and to fight. But because of this, Miro felt like a threat, but because of the miscommunications that I picked up, because of this style of match, it didn't really let me feel what Miro is actually capable of. I know was a tag team match against Georgianella and Sonic Kiss, so why would you expect a 4 or 5 out of 5 star spectacle of a match, but still you would expect something more. Was I disappointed from this, of this match? Eh, not really, but I didn't have any expectations and it, it didn't connect with me. So... I didn't fucking care, you probably didn't fucking care, the only reason why we cared was because it was Mira's debut, and can you call it a disaster? Probably no, but was I satisfied? Oh hell no. Then we had Eddie Kingston's promo, when he claimed that he will face against John Moxley tonight uh, for the AEW world title, because... He was never eliminated from the Royal Rumble, well, Casino Battle Royal, and because, well, 
Lancaster is out with COVID-19. And it was a typical promo, not a bad one. Well, because it seems like Eddie Kingston can have a bad promo, but he was... It was good, you know. I was I want to say it was a bit useless, but no. It was a quality promo that made me invested into the main event and they built it up for a couple of weeks, but obviously it wasn't their original plan to have Moxley and Kingston for the world title right now. Probably was should have happened right before the 14th episode or maybe after it because it just wouldn't make sense to make it otherwise and obviously because of Lance Archer's COVID thing they needed to pull off the big gun straight away and Eddie Kingston versus John Moxa happened on this night so they build it up for two weeks but they didn't build it up you know, as a title match for this week. So they needed to change things up. And I think this promo allowed them to secure the investment of a viewer for the main event. Then we had a Hangman Page versus uh, Eva Luna match. Again, the same thing that we saw last week, kinda. Uh, with originally this being a Hangman Page, Kenny Omega versus Dark Order, where of Stu Grayson and Eva Luna, but because of Kenny refusing to be in a tag match, we got ourselves a singles match. And Kenny once again was on commentary, and once again it was a good 10 minute match between two performers who we know are capable of doing some great things. But I wasn't so sure it was that good of a thing because, again, when Hangman was about to lose, well, when Kenny felt like Hangman is about to lose, he smirked, he laughed a little bit, and it definitely continued the storyline, but it also didn't push it as hard and as far as it could have, because it was basically the same thing that he did last week. Thankfully, some friends of mine pointed out that, you know, technically, Kenny Omega is saying that he doesn't want to do tag team stuff to focus on the singles, but instead, he gives Hangman Page a chance to move forward in the rankings while he just sits on a commentary without having a singles match, so sooner rather than later, Hangman Page will be a number one contender, or he will be at least above Kenny, and Kenny will realize it and he will snap. That's a good thinking, that's a good theory, I hope it's the case, because this was a good match. I enjoyed Kenny on commentary, adding up something, but it was a redo from the previous week, so I wasn't as invested and when I saw Kenny Omega coming up I was like please don't be in commentary because I just didn't want to see it again but it was fine then we had Brody Lee versus Orange Cassidy again this is a turning point probably for me where I started to enjoy the show more because well obviously Cody returned and this is something that I once again fucking spoil for myself 
whenever there is a big return, big debut, or something happening big on the show, somehow I fucking spoil it to myself. I don't know how, it's my fucking curse. I should not use social media whenever Dynamite is on display. Uh, but it was a good match. I enjoyed it. It was fun with some segments like the beginning of the match when uh, Cassidy put his glasses onto Anna Jay or when he beefed with uh, John Silver. Is it his name? Yeah, John Silver, fucking John Silver. Yeah, that's right. But um, there's always will be this concern right now with Cassidy that they just use him way too much because they know they can rely on him. And this match showed again, once again, what he's capable of. But he just beat Chris Jericho. And now he's effectively losing to the champion. And of course he can take the cell easily. And not a lot of people will like remember it. Because we remember Cassidy for different things. But now you're asking questions. Why would you have this match? Why wouldn't you put QT Marshall? Because, you know, they have a bigger story to tell with this type of match. Why wouldn't you put someone else in this position? Maybe because Orange Cassidy is a certain fine draw. Maybe, but only because of this. Once again, good match. Orange showed some of his typical fire moves, you know, DDDs. Uh, air crasher, whatever. Uh, even he tried to do his orange punch, but it never connected, and or maybe once. And uh, eventually, Brody Lee picked up the win with some uh, with his clothesline, typical clothesline, and he did some authentic moves. Also used John Silver as a body back like twice in the match, which was fun. But um. Obviously, the main talking point of the show was Cody coming back after Brody Lee won. Light goes out. The creepy, not creepy, but intentional music, you know, that you hear that it's getting intense and intense. And then you hear those lines. Wrestling has more than one royal family. And you know he's fucking back. So, Cody comes out with dashing black hair and he just beats the dark order four five and ten probably now five ten those two he beat out for sure uh and obviously Brody lee just decided to get the fuck out of here right when the music started and the light turned off like fuck this i ain't having anything of this shit uh cody Beat the living crap of five, hit his leg twice, smile like a sadistic motherfucker, performing a figure four lock, and then his music started once again, and a commercial break. After the commercial break, uh, black, after the commercial break, we hear Brody Lee's cutting an incredible promo when he basically accused uh, Cody of being a coward, uh, Brandy calling him daddy and being a throt, uh, being a basically a slut on the Instagram and um, challenge him basically to the dark colors match, 
for the next week's Dynamite. Yeah, that was it. It was a great promo, and once you hear it, you ask yourself, why the fuck did WWE never let him talk? Because he's such a great promo. And this was probably the highlight of a Dynamite, this two segments of Cody coming back and beating the hell of Dark Order and Brody cutting this incredible promo. Because then we had another promo, which was fine, but in comparison, it just fades away. It was Matt Hardy trying to find out who attacked him last week. Uh, he accused Chris Jericho of being the one who attacked him. Chris says no. He would never attack him from behind because he would do it up front to see him fade away. Then Chris says that because of Mad, Sammy Guevara is not here, but then makes a swerve. And Sammy's actually here, which was uh, emotionally lacking at least. That's the one thing I totally remember because I remember last time Sammy returned, it was a great. You know, him pretending to be Serpentico and then revealing his mask and actually showing that he's Sammy hugging with Chris. And now he just hugged with Chris and was like, oh, Sammy's back. Well, cool. Uh, well, basically then Mark Wen and Isaiah Cassidy cut a promo. And we found out that next week we're going to have Isaiah Cassidy versus Chris Jericho in a one-on-one -on -one match. Uh, looking forward to this, should be cool, uh, Isaac Cassidy showed some mic skills, but again, it was fine, but in comparison to the other promos that we have, it definitely was a lower part of the show, and again, because the emotional connection was lacking here, I didn't care about Samer returning, I didn't care that much about uh, Matt being attacked and Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Warren tried to get their revenge for their master, for their icon, basically. But it was still good, you know. But then we had a better promo, which still had some flaws. It was Tony Schiavone's interview in FTR and Tele Blanchard, where Tele Blanchard announced this 20 minutes of greatness, or brush of greatness, whatever the name is. Basically, they're going to choose their opponents for the tag team uh, championship belts every week, whenever they want. And this team going to have 20 minutes to beat FTR. If they're not going to be able to do this, they automatically lose and FTR are winning. It's a throwback to the old days, and it's a cool idea which will allow them to use some underused teams. But why I said it was a weird one with a promo, because Telly definitely got confused, and he forgot his lines a couple of times, so Dax and Cash needed to help him out. So, even though I enjoyed this promo, I definitely saw some you know, problem with it. So even though I enjoyed it, it was still a little bit rough. 
They announced that next week they're gonna fight against SCU. Uh, then they accuse Trent and uh, Chuck, best friends, of being just a glorified backyard wrestlers. They came out and said, even though we got beat up in this parking lot fight, we're gonna beat the living shit out of you. They agreed to have this type of match right now. And when the referee came out, they swerved and said, nah, you need to take it rest. Came back when you're 100%. Then we're going to fight against you. And it was fine. I'm looking forward to the match against SU, to the next match and the next one. Then we had Hikaru Shido and Thunder Rosa versus Diamante uh, and Ivalice. It was fine. I enjoyed it. There was nothing so special about this match. And something that surprised me actually was the fact that they didn't play off at all of Shida looking at NWA title. I know there's still time before full gear, but I would expect them to do something with their women's champion because... Once again, you all know that I don't really give a shit about women's division, but if you have your women's champion and NWA champion in the ring, you probably should continue that storyline. It doesn't need to be the tension between two. It may be actually a sign of respect. But instead, we had absolutely nothing after a good match. So, I don't even know should I talk about this more because, well... It was a good match, as we all know, but nothing really happened after this. And that's a concerning look for the women's division once again. Then I had a behind-the-scenes thing uh, between Chris Jericho and MJF. We can have a couple of laughs where they basically praise each other once again and then ask themselves, well, why did you call me a loser back then a couple of weeks ago? And uh, they basically, MJF said, no, 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 I called an idiot a limit driver. And Chris Jericho said, no, 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 I called an idiot a Tony Schiavone because he's a fat idiot. Uh, fun little segment. I truly enjoyed it. I truly laughed a little bit. MJF and Chris Jericho attention are fucking phenomenal. I can't wait to see uh, the attention coming further because... Will he join uh, in a circle? Will we see match between Chris Jericho and MJF? Will we see a feud between MJF and Chris Jericho? This is very, very interesting stuff. And then we had our main event. John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston. And before match started, Eddie Kingston came out with a mic, said, come out here, come out. And basically John did, and they had a slabber knocker. Uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect from this match, but I fucking enjoyed it. It was a throwback to G1, it's a throwback to Japan's style of wrestling. It wasn't that long, that's my main concern, well, my main criticism towards this match, because it was more of a segment even in the way, but I bloody enjoyed it. It was hard-hitting chops. Knees and fists. And normally I would expect them to do something more. But this time they decided to stick with like 7 minutes of screen time. And it was a little bit disappointing because. 
seeing what Eddie Kingston was doing in this match, his not only chops that you can hear even from here and a week after the show ended, but also, you know, their visual storytelling, their actual storytelling in the ring for words and punches was so good that I wanted to see more, but unfortunately it was meant to be. Then uh, at the end of the match, uh, John Moxley won by using a bulldog chokehold. And Eddie Kingston never tapped out the referee call for the bell because he was unconscious. After the match, Penta and Phoenix came out to beat the living shit of John. But then Will Hobbs came out to save. Uh, but then Darby Allen came out to stop the beating from, was it? Ricky Starks or Brian Cage, uh, somebody definitely came out, and I'm definitely forgetting who. Oh well, well, basically Darby Allen and Will Hobbs came out together, and then Ricky Star, Ricky Starks came out from the back with a spear on Darby Allen, and the heels are standing tall. And even though Eddie Kingston lost, we clearly see that they will continue the storyline between John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, and we're gonna see. Ricky Starks versus Darby Allen next week. So, even though they were in a critical critical position with uh, Lance Archer getting COVID and they needed to get rid of the main event six man tag, I think they pulled off pretty well. And even though the first hour was really tough to watch in a way, or at least not that interesting to watch. Second hour was really good with some good wrestling, good promos, and interesting decisions for the future. Overall, I enjoyed this Dynamite edition, but not as much as I thought I would. Again, not a bad Dynamite by any means, but still a little bit disappointing. That's what I can say. I would love to hear your opinion and as always, I'll hear you later.